0: Welcome to Cascade Church Podcast. A church we hope is both safe to be and safe to grow. Enjoy! Good morning to you all. My name is Kurt. I am a co-pastor here at Cascade. Uh, And we're excited this morning to uh, follow up, uh, continue learning from what we were doing last week, last Sunday. Uh, We had Leroy here talking about the work he does with an incredible organization called Neighborhood Economics and talked about the wealth gap. Um, and talked about the ways that there is systemic injustices kind of baked into our economic um, systems, uh, and the ways that those largely are perpetuated because they're invisible, because we don't see them, we we don't experience them all the time. And so a part of becoming aware, uh, especially in a church setting, is that we would hope that the people of God— Like a part of your identification is that you care about systems that unfairly impact other people and there's little acts of resistance that we build into our day-to-day actions to help combat those. To see that image of God reflected in all people. And so we're excited uh, to have a great conversation this morning. Leroy is is joined by a guest, Regina Morgan, who's a local business owner. And they're going to have a conversation. Now, as they talk, at the end of this, there's going to be an opportunity for you to ask questions. So if you have a question, you're like, I'm wondering about this. And you're like, well, it's not the place for it. No, it is. Write it down on like a note, hold on to it, and then at the end, uh, you can ask it, and and it'll be a part of our conversation. Uh, Would you join me in welcoming Leroy Barber and Regina Morgan this morning?
1: Good morning. morning. How y'all doing today? Good, good, good. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I know this is supposed to be a conversation, but I got to get a little bit of, got to get a little bit of preaching out before we get so, Told my mom I'm in church, so I got to, you know, do some, comment. let her know I went to church for real. So, Regina Morgan, um, and uh, you, you, some of you may have met her husband, Andrew, um, who's done some stuff here with us before, maybe, but I assume that a bad assumption that she had been here before. I had not. And she had not. <laughs> and so that was bad on my part <laughs> assuming because her man was here she was here. But <laughs> So this week we're going to take a look um, at uh, we've been talking about the wealth gap and talking about like what our responsibility is as followers of Jesus as people of faith um, as a church f- folks who love God. What is our response in this moment in time around what we're seeing around uh, the economy and economics and uh, the wealth gap and those kinds of things as a part of our uh, as a part of our life um, everyday life as followers of Jesus. So, this is Regina and she runs a, a business called Ten Thirty Braiding. Um, that's actually connected. She'll talk about the whole story connected to Natural Beautiful Project, right? So, yeah, I don't want to give away your whole story. I don't, I don't need to tell it. You tell it yourself. Okay. Um, so. Let's start with this and then actually tell us about 1030 braiding and the Naturally Beautiful Project first. Okay.
2: So um, 1030 braiding, uh, uh, I was talking to Sam. Is that right? Sam. Um, I moved here from Tulsa, Oklahoma five years ago. And uh, when I moved here, uh, I just felt like the Lord was leading me in a different direction as far as I worked in the corporate world for almost 15 years. And when I moved here, I felt like the Lord told me that that season of my life was over with and done and that I needed to d- go in a different direction and start something new. So I was like, well, what, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, how do I, what do I do? And it was like, just use the t- the talents and gifts that you have. So I've always done hair. I think I taught myself how to braid when I was about five years old. Um, so I always did family and friends and it was just a hobby, right? And so when I moved here, my husband asked me a question. He was like, if money was not an issue and you could just do anything that you wanted to do, what would you do? I said, you know, I probably would do hair. I love it. I think about it all the time. It's always on my mind. And he was like, well, why don't we explore that? So five years ago, he, we just took a chance. I um, bought a salon chair and turned my two-car garage into a salon and uh, I had one black neighbor that lived down the street from me, and I reluctantly went and knocked on her door and said, hey, I'm trying to get my business off the ground, but I need to do some hair. I need to show what I can do, because all of those years of doing hair for family and friends, it was a hobby. I never took pictures of it. I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have any of those Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. So I knocked on her door, and as we know, people here are not very... Open like that. You know, they're like, she's like, What are you doing here? Why are you knocking on my door? And I was like, Okay, listen, Mm -hmm. this is a free opportunity. Mm -hmm. You get the chance to get a free natural hairstyle. You don't have to pay for anything, but this gives me an opportunity to take pictures and post online and use the hashtags and all of those things to kind of get my name out there because I knew no one, no one living here. And so that is where the journey began. And it's just been going up since then. Uh, But in addition to that, I started what is called the Naturally Beautiful Project, and the Naturally Beautiful Project is near and dear to my heart. I started it shortly after starting 1030 Braiding. It is a program that um, helps families with education about their child's textured hair. Um, As we know, in this area, there are a lot of transracially adopted children, uh, transracially fostered children. And those parents open up their doors out of the kindness of their heart and they want to do something great, but they don't think about all of the aspects of raising that child. And sometimes hair is a major proponent of that. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I saw a need and I just filled a need. So I started out just doing children's hair free every Monday and Tuesday, but that wasn't sustainable. I needed to give the information to the parents and to the families and show them how to do it. So right now we are in the process of opening a new location in Portland, and we are um, setting up events and things like that to teach the families how to properly care for their child's hair. That's so, awesome.
1: Yeah. I, that's, that, like, it's pretty awesome. I know a lot about their work, and uh, so... She started off doing this for-profit business, right, and doing hair, and then was doing the hair of many foster and adoptive kids uh, who were uh, for free. Like yeah. she like that—that that was just kind of their their side gig, and uh, and both of those things have come up um, and be- and become a pretty major part. Yeah, of it's a pretty big the deal. landscape of of black and brown community around around Portland. Absolutely. And so I can't. Did you lose it? Yeah. (laughs) Commercial break. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) So, question. Um, So, first of all, what do you enjoy about being a business owner in in Portland specifically? Um, And then, consequently, what makes that difficult as uh, a person of color?
2: Okay. So, um, basically what I enjoy is being my own boss, right? So, I had to learn time management coming from a world where you clock in. You're told when to come, when to leave, what to do—all of those things. And so, doing that for all of those many years, and then learning how to be my own boss, how to manage my own time. Mm-hmm. So, I enjoy being my own boss. I enjoy creating my own hours and stuff. But I think more importantly, what I enjoy about being a business owner in the in the PDX area is that this culture breeds uh, small ownership. Mm. Right. So there's uh, small businesses are everywhere here. And it it is uh, a culture, really. And it is something that is really. Um, how can I put that? It's, you know, it's it's uh, welcomed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a welcome thing. So um, I, I believe that I enjoyed that part of it because it wasn't so difficult to jump into that um, uh-huh. arena. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not knowing anything about. Uh-huh this is my first business. Mm -hmm. And so I think being in this area has caused me to have success because this is a culture that breeds small business ownership.
1: So so you felt that coming in, that the Portland is specifically like small business, local business. Yeah.
2: I mean, think about all the local restaurants. That I mean, we don't have a... I mean, there's franchise restaurants, but there's a lot of local restaurants. There's a lot of food trucks. There's a lot of that, right? And so just... Mm -hmm. Um, being a part of that uh, world uh-huh. oh, was cool. something that was interesting
1: so 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 tapping into the culture of Portland mm-hmm. um, as a small business owner, um, how 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 has that been different for you as um, as a black business owner in, in this space?
2: So, well, with and the work female. <laughs> right with the work that I do, um, I wish there were just more of me, right? Mm-hmm. I wish that I had more hands because there's not a lot of stylists. There is a great demand for um, natural hair stylists. And what I want to do, which w- what makes it difficult for me, is because I have the ability to teach the skills that mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. but I don't have the time. I don't have the the resources. I don't have the funding mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. I don't have a working a huge working capital mm-hmm. where I can mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm going to stop for a few months, mm-hmm. and I'm going to um, empower other mm-hmm. aspiring mm-hmm. braiders and natural hairstylists to to be able to jump into this arena mm-hmm. and do that. That's cool. So. That's where I find the difficulty. Yeah. So just a small
1: commercial break there, a Leroy break, if Mm -hmm. you will. Um, So uh, the fact, like the business that Regina is running that's pretty successful, that 90% of black businesses are successful as sole proprietorships, right? Uh, And the reason some of the funding doesn't, cut off again, the reason some of her funding doesn't come through from larger larger investments is that a lot of the funds that are available don't give funds to, to sole proprietorships, right? You have to be an LLC. You have to have certain amount of employees, yes. right? And so if 90% of black businesses are sole proprietorships, that's 90% of the folks you know who are, who are black in business can't access high-level investment. Right. right, So So an example of that.
2: Well, that's an example of that is when we were going through the pandemic and I was trying to fill out the grants and get the funds. I I received nothing. Uh, I didn't get anything. And so thankfully, I had had, you know, was building my working capital, Mm -hmm. you know, just saving and doing those things. And that was kind of how we lived off of something. And we had another, you know, income coming in. But that was not I didn't receive any funding. Mm. Wow. No matter how many grants I filled out, and so wow. that was tough.
1: Hmm. So, um, where do you feel supported as a business owner? Where, like, where does where's that? We, like, you name some of the challenges, but where where are you supported?
2: I think I'm supported mainly by my clientele who share my information, who word of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. They say, "Hey." Regina does great work. Regina is kind and professional Mm and these things. And so you go and you patronize her. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel more supported, Mm -hmm. of course, from my family, my husband. If I didn't have his support, I couldn't do this work because I work, Really long hours, you know, five days a week. And on Sundays and Mondays, I'm doing things like this to Mm -hmm. get the word out there about the business, about the nonprofit, working in the space to get the nonprofit up and going again, Mm -hmm. and all of those Mm -hmm. things. So I don't have a lot of time. Uh So I feel supported by my clientele who share my information, Uh and I feel supported by my family and people like you, Leroy, Uh who. Keep me in the spotlight. Who keep me connected to communities like this that want to learn and want to know? That's easy work. Let me let, let me tell you a little something about like Regina's business.
1: She she does appointments, right? And so I think it's the first Tuesday, it's the third of Tuesday <laughs> th- of every month. She opens up right for appointments for the next month. Mm-hmm. Those sell out in less than an hour. Yeah. Right. Like so. In less than an hour, all her appointments for the next month get filled, mm-hmm. right? And, like, that's the kind of demand that's there. And right. so um, uh, she's legit. She's dope. Oh, can I say dope? She's dope. <laughs> that's old, that's old that black means man terms. That means great. <laughs> I always check now because my kids, they, they keep me, like, you can't say that anymore, Dad. You know, so
2: yeah.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. So um, if you were to say one thing to followers of Jesus, this is is a friendly crowd of folks, right, Uh, mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of these people. (laughs) I was looking for a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. That's a (laughs) Uh, Mostly friendly crowd. Um, What what would you say to folks who want to be involved, who want to hear, who want to learn, who want to know what to do?
2: What what would you say? How How can folks help out? I think philanthropy is great, right? So just giving where you can, just seeing a business like mine, small ownership, you know, not being able to reach that working capital, not getting the funding. Philanthropy is great, volunteerism is great. So for like the Naturally Beautiful Project, and I do have some cards I can, you know, bring in for you guys. I didn't realize that it was this kind of scene today, but, We're trying to get that space up and going for those families. And we have been doing a lot of the work ourselves, right? So Mm -hmm. I I just Mm -hmm. think just the support of sharing who we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Like I said, philanthropy is the big one. Donations. um, Just anywhere you can just to say this is how I support. Very cool. Very
1: cool. Thanks. So um, any questions? Let's open open it up a little bit. Um, any questions sitting there for you that you want to ask, Regina? Go for it. Uh, you mentioned that 90% of black uh, owned businesses are sole proprietors. And when
0: I heard that, I was just really curious maybe why that is, why not other um, routes
1: of structuring? Uh, good question. Yeah, just a lot of curiosity around that. Very good question. So, um, it's, we, we talk a lot about systematic stuff here, right? So, if you don't have right, a history, of credit, equity, right, um, a rich uncle, those kind of things to help you get going in business. Then you have to do it all yourself, right? So you've got to you got to save the money yourself. You got to get get it up and going, and you and or like your granddaughter, um, uh, uh, work that business, right? So that's that's why it's just there's no there's no history to be able to go. I'm gonna start an LLC. I got you know, X amount of dollars to do that, and we're going to get it rolling, I'm going to get some investors, well,
2: Mm -hmm. that history
1: is not there. And so, systematically, it lends itself to, you got to do this yourself first. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, that number is, is, um, is the same across the board, right? Um, I think, I think Oregon in general is actually kind of maybe a little bit ahead of a lot of places in kind of looking at these things, right? And going, hey, we need to improve the, um, uh, wages for people, living wages, right? Those, those are kind of first steps to moving into a systematic shift, mm-hmm. um, there are there are organizations that are looking at how do we, how do we leverage uh, equity with already within a community. So a lot of black churches that own property, right, or own the church buildings, can that be can that be leveraged for uh, startups and things like that. So some of that's, some of that's going on, um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty hard. Like only I think the number is four percent of businesses are owned. By by black owners, I think, uh, as a total in our country, so. which is, if the population is 15%, then that's significantly less, right, so here than here.
2: You know, I think something that would help grow a business or help start a business is just making things more readily available. As far as, like, the monies that is needed to actually start a business, there should be some kind of waivers or vouchers or something like that that gives you the the up on – because you have to pay all of these fees. You have to get insurance. You have to register your business. You know, you have to do all of these things. And so – If they looked at certain situations, especially in certain areas where, like urban areas, and said, people are wanting to start businesses here, here's a voucher that covers all the funding of the startup cost. I think that would be a big help. Does that answer the question?
1: you think there's a lack of folks wanting to actually be a part of a hair hairstylist business?
2: No. I have people reaching out to me all the time, but they just don't know where to begin. And then I'll, I'll say this. Oregon is ahead of the curve on um, allowing braiders to not be uh, cosmetology licensed. They do have the means where you can go and take a natural hair uh, license test. Um, So they they do that part and so, but people don't even realize that that's out there. I did a whole bunch of research and digging because I was on the path to going into cosmetology school. But when I learned that they don't even teach anything about natural hair, it comes to this point where it's like, oh, we're just gonna teach you how to straighten it, cut it, or color it, right? not how to care for it in its natural state. So I was like, this is not the avenue that I want to take. I don't want to process hair. I want to keep it in its natural state. And so where do I go with that? And so as I was digging and doing my research, found a lady who had challenged the state and said, why do we have to go to cosmetology school and pay all of this money when we're not trying to do these things? And so she went and challenged the state. She won. But guess what? We couldn't even wash hair, wash hair, until October of 2020. They said it was altering the hair. And I'm like, yeah, altering it to be clean. (laughs) Clean. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And so then, um, but I think there are people out there. They just don't know that those resources are out there. I had tons of people helping me research and digging to find, oh, this is out here. So hmm. there are people that want to want to learn and want to know.
1: Nice.
2: I had a hand here, then I'll come up. What are some of your uh dreams for stealing the business and the nonprofit in the next few years? Like what would be an ideal scenario? What would you want to see happen in the next couple years? That's that's
1: a really great question. Um, um I smile. You,
2: you're now, Yeah, because my I, I see the vision, right? Like I have the vision, but it feels like it's so far away. But I want to partner with other stylists. They don't have to leave their shops or anything like that, but I can see my Naturally Beautiful Project logo on their doors that says, we partner with the Naturally Beautiful Project. So families can come, bring a voucher, give it to this stylist. The Naturally Beautiful Project is funded so greatly that they – Look at my logo! I'm so excited. Um, my daughter made that. Okay, um, but uh, but they we are self-funded in a way that we can. They can just submit their voucher and we just pay the stylist because I know it's hard to do this work for free. I'm I'm a different. My mindset is different. I would do it for free. I've done it for free, right? But it's not sustainable. It it's a lot of work and. I just want it to be where there's social justice being ushered back into these these black hairstylists and these people that want to do great work, but it's a lot, and you just cannot do it simply for free. So the Naturally Beautiful Project being funded so greatly that they would be able to submit that voucher, but it's still free to the families because it's such an important thing for these children to have this part of themselves taken care of. It is innate in a black person, in a black child, that their hair looks good. They know from so young, you guys, I s- promise you. They know, and they know when they don't, f- if they don't feel like they look good, then they don't feel good. And that's where all of the other problems come in. So that is, that is a great question. Thank you for asking that. Awesome. I think uh, he was proceed. here. Yeah. right but as you said the order <clears throat> law is they waive that requirement to have to be um licensed I think it would be beneficial, right? I, I, I truly do. Um, when you go to cosme- it, when people go to cosmetology school, they learn so many other skills and they may only want to focus on one thing, but why not learn it, right? And then we're all inclusive. I mean, why not learn that skill? So... What, what Oregon does is there is a natural hair license, so you do have to study these terms. It's not just something that you can just go out there and do without knowledge of how to clean your utensils, how to run a facility, how to spot, um, you know, hair conditions like alopecia or psoriasis, things like that. They do, ha- they do have those things, but they make it to where you can print those things off, study them, learn them, and then you test on it. Right. And so I think that those things that test would be so important to have in a cosmetology school. I really do. But I think that there needs to be tiers of some sort. Right. So if I'm not wanting to learn how to or I'm not wanting to expand to cutting or coloring or altering this hair, then can we have a cosmetology school that's this tier over here? You know what I mean? Like have these different things to study. That's what I think. I hope that answers the question. Okay. Here, then, now. Go ahead. Yes. I
1: wanted to hear about the name of your business. You know, I wanted to hear a little bit about that name, the
2: 1030 name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's a great question. Um, 1030 is Matthew 1030, which says, the very hairs on our heads are numbered. So... We are more valuable than the many sparrows. So when I have people in my chair, I want them to feel valued. I want them to feel beautiful. I want them to feel confident. I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel um, just an overall great experience. So 1030, finding that name, the Matthew 1030 verse, that was the easiest part of starting my business.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was over here first, then I'll come.
2: I've tried, um, I've reached out to so many people and I just reached dead ends, right? Um, so I have a lot of conversation with many different people that work in that arena, but I just haven't had that great connection where I come in and have training and things like that. And I don't know if at first it was because I was not a 501c3, but as you know, that is is, is such a an expensive and tedious Um, task to start in a a 501c3 it took months to get everything approved and so now that I am um, I have been in communication with people I just it just hasn't gone anywhere Whew, um, that's a great question. So, you know, I think coming here and not knowing anyone, you know, sometimes when you're when you're from your hometown, you can reach out to family and friends, they can spread the word for you. So I literally had to hustle it out. And what that means is It started very small, right? So, like I said, I started with my neighbor. So, I'm reluctant. I had to put my anxiety to the side and go down there and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you allow me? So, I had to spend money that I didn't have. Because right then, we were just moving to this city, and we didn't come with jobs or anything like that. God said, go, and we went, right? So, all we had was a budget of, like, a a year's worth until we could figure out what God, what do you have me doing in this space and place? So as we're figuring all of that out, I'm like, okay, we're having to dip into this money to start this business. I'm spending money that I don't have. That was scary and kind of hard. But when I felt like the Lord was in it and he was telling me, what are you waiting for? Go, you have this, this talent, you have this skill. Then it gave me the freedom to kind of like, okay, God's going to take care of me. He's not going to leave me or forsake me. You know, you start reciting those scriptures. You start speaking those things over yourself that says, Lord, I trust you. Okay. All right. I'm in the wilderness, but I'm not forsaken. God, you got me. Um, I think hustling it out that first year uh, was, was hard just because I had to get the name out there. I had to post the videos, I had to use my mannequin head to um, show that I could do certain styles. And sometimes people don't wanna see that. They they wanna see you operating on a human, right? They're like, okay, but what is this, you know? But just continuing to push forward and operating confidence when it was kinda scary. Yeah.
1: One last question.
2: That is, su- you ask the best questions, okay? <laughs> go start for her back here. Um, she really <laughs> asks great questions because when I am teaching, when I am teaching others how to do this work, the main ingredient is customer service, right? And a lot of times, some of these business owners get into this, this realm and they don't have the customer service piece. But I had many years in this corporate world of customer service, and so that plays a great part in how I serve my clients, um, the way that I operate, the way that I do things, the way that I speak to people, the etiquette that I have when I'm calling and talking to folks. Um, so I don't regret any of those. Um, I don't <laughs> regret. I don't regret any of the time that I spent there. All of it, I see how it came into play now. And I needed every year of it.
1: Well, let's thank Regina for being here. <laughs> and we need to take up an offering for her new phone that I've dropped twice. So. <laughs>